Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello again. We're in the week after Easter. Now, Easter is the big event of the Christian year when we celebrate and remember the death of Jesus on the cross. And the crucifixion of Jesus is by far the biggest event. And, you know, even the symbol of the cross that people wear as jewelry or is put in artwork shows that the cross is what it's all about. But I want to say to you that the cross is not the end of the story. And if we as Christians stop at the cross, we miss out on the resurrection, on the ascension to heaven and on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Jesus wants us to have. Let me put it to you another way. Some people know of Jesus only in Old Testament terms. When the Old Testament was speaking forwards about a Messiah coming, some people are still living in that place where they're looking forward to Jesus. It's mostly the Jewish people, but they are still looking forward. They've only followed Jesus up to the Old Testament. Other people know of Jesus as the baby who came at Christmas, and for them, church and Christianity is about a baby. And they go to church maybe once a year, they remember Jesus once a year, and they think of him as little baby Jesus. So some have gone up to the Old Testament just before he was born. Some are stuck at baby Jesus. Others have followed Jesus to his teachings. And so some people follow all his beautiful sayings, his wisdom, his words. Uh, they know the teachings of Jesus and they honor and respect him as a great teacher, as a great man, as a kind man, as a moral leader. And they follow Jesus that far. Some are in the Old Testament. Some see baby Jesus. Some see adult Jesus. But then Christians are those who have seen Jesus on the cross and they've understood he's died for me. He didn't deserve to die. He died for my sins. And when he was taking that beating and that crucifixion, he did it to pay for me to be forgiven. And that's fantastic. And that is wonderful. The problem is if you stop there, you lose out on the power and the victory and the glory and the joy of Christianity because Christianity does not stop at Jesus on the cross. Jesus is not in the cross on the cross today. He was taken off the cross. In John chapter 19 and 20, it talks about Jesus being taken off the cross, being buried in a tomb that was cut out of rock. So there were no exits or entrances. There was just a, a cave. And then they rolled a big rock on the front. And three days later, after he was fully dead, and embalmed, and there were spices put around him, and his body was beaten and ruined. Three days later, life came back into him. God, the creator of the universe, injected supernatural power into his life, healed his body of its wounds, brought him back to life, but now he had a different body. And so he appeared to his disciples. First of all, he appears to Mary Magdalene. She's confused. She's crying. She can't really believe Jesus has risen again. And he just says her name, Mary. And she falls down at his feet and she wants to worship him. And he says, hold on, I still have to ascend to my father. 
And then he walks through walls. He comes into places where the disciples are meeting, even though the doors are locked. He's suddenly in the room. He eats fish with them. But you can tell he's got a slightly different body. It's still a body, but it's a spiritual, supernatural body. And then 40 days later, he ascends to heaven. He rises up and he sits at the right hand of the Father. And then 10 days after that, he pours out his Holy Spirit. Uh, and it's just a, a drenching of power that comes upon the believers. And then they go out and they spread the gospel. Now, my first message to you today, a week after Easter, is to say to you, dear friend, have you followed Jesus? Not just the Old Testament laws and promises, not just sweet little baby Jesus, not just the great moral teacher, not just the man who died on the cross to save you, but into resurrection and all the way through into power. And today I want to talk about resurrection and new life. There are so many things we could say about this, but I want to say to you, unless you have grasped the beauty and the power of the resurrection, your Christian life will be poorer and you will be missing out on what God has for you. Listen to some of these verses and quotes about the resurrection. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. He says that God has begotten or, or made us born to a living hope, a living hope. You see, if you stop at the cross, it's not a living hope. It's a tragic Christianity. Oh, Jesus suffered. Oh, life's hard. Oh, maybe one day when we get to heaven, everything will be great. But when I understand Jesus rose again, he defeated death. He overcame the most terrible thing that the world and the devil could throw at him. He overcame every obstacle and every punishment, penalty and consequence of sin. He overcame it all and he was victorious. I have a living hope, a living hope. I'm full of life and hope looking ahead. Philippians 3 verse 10, Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. So yes, I must understand his death for me and his suffering, but there's power of his resurrection. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Billy Graham said, there's more evidence that Jesus rose from the dead than there is that Julius Caesar ever lived or that Alexander the Great died at the age of 33. Andrew Murray said, a dead Christ I must do everything for. A living Christ does everything for me. Hallelujah. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, after death, something new begins over which all powers of the world of death have no more might. He said, if we follow Christ through death into resurrection, it's a whole new set of rules. He says, all the powers of the world of death have no might over this new thing that we have in Christ. Romans 6 verses 1 onwards talks about us being baptized as a, an identification of Jesus' death. But then as we come up out of the waters of baptism, it's like we're being raised again with him. And now we knew our, our old life has been 
killed, it's gone, it's forgotten, and now there's newness of life, and we are united with Him in the power of His resurrection. C.S. Lewis said, Jesus' resurrection has forced open a door that has been locked since the death of the first man. He has met, fought, and beaten the king of death. Everything is different because he has done so. Isn't that amazing? And just before I go into the main part of my talk, I just want to mention to you the fact that the resurrection of Jesus is the one sign or physical evidence that God says, yes, you can look for that. What do I mean by that? Do you remember when Thomas, one of the 12 disciples, um, found out that Jesus had risen from the dead? He says, I'm not going to believe it unless I can touch and put my hand in the wounds and know that it's him. And Jesus was kind enough to let him do that because his resurrection is a sign that enables us to know that God is who he says he is, that Jesus was the Messiah, that everything he said was true. But then Jesus said, blessed are those who believe even though they have not seen. But the resurrection is the one sign, just as Jesus showed Thomas his wounds, the resurrection is the one sign we're allowed to ask for. In Matthew 12, 39, Jesus said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. So what he was saying is, if we say, I want to see before I believe, that's not the right approach. Most of us as human beings say, I want a sign, uh, I want a feeling, I want a sense, I want something that I can grasp and know is empirically true, and then I will believe. And Jesus said, it's, it's wicked and adulterous to ask for a sign before you believe. In John 11, uh, Jesus said to Mary and Martha, didn't I tell you if you believed, you would see? We say, I want to see and then I'll believe. Jesus said, if you believed, you will see. In Mark 16, Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. We say, I want a sign and then I'll believe. No, Jesus says, these signs follow those who believe. I've got to believe first, but there is one sign. He says here, no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. What was the sign of the prophet Jonah? What was he talking about? It's clear from Scripture, and the early church understood it. They, they used the sign of a fish, which was a, a picture of Jonah being swallowed by a whale, and three days later he came back from the whale. And the picture, the sign of the prophet Jonah is Jesus would be dead and buried in the ground for three days and then come back to life. And Jesus said, the only sign you and I can ask for is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Just as Billy Graham said, there's more evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. This is empirical evidence, like in a court of law where there are witnesses. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says there were 500 people that Jesus appeared to after he rose again, and they are still alive. You can go and speak to them, most of them. There were eyewitnesses. There is testimony about the Roman God outside of the tomb. They would never have allowed Jesus' body to be stolen. Um, the, the fact that so many people saw him and the disciples' lives and attitude and, and, and demeanor was so changed. Before the resurrection, the disciples were defeated and fearful and, and just in hiding from the persecuting Romans. But after the resurrection, they were bold, they were brave, they were willing to be martyrs, to be killed for their faith because they knew death has no power anymore. Jesus has risen again. And there is many 
many, uh, there are many evidences of the resurrection of Jesus that you can look for. So Jesus said that it is a sign that we can hold on to. So now I just want to talk about how do we get or, or appropriate this new life. And I have three points today. Uh, they are, there must be a death of the old. We must change the way we see the world. And then lastly, we live in a tension of the old and the new. So let me go through these one by one. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35, and I'm trying to help us see how can I enjoy and appropriate the resurrection of Jesus. Verse 35 of 1 Corinthians 15, he says, But someone will say, How are the dead raised up? With what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. This is the first point. For me to appropriate the resurrection of Jesus, I need to identify with him in his death. I need to go through the same thing with him. In 2 Timothy 2 verse 11, it says, This is a faithful saying. If we died with him, we shall also live with him. There has to be a dying for there to be a resurrection. Now, what does that mean? As I've said, Romans chapter 6 speaks of this. Let me read it to you briefly. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And then later on he says, verse 11, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there is a death. I need to die. I heard a story about a missionary who went to an island in the South Pacific who the people had never heard of Jesus before. And he told them about Jesus, his death and his resurrection. And then he said to them, if you believe in Jesus, you need to get baptized and you are identifying with his death and his resurrection. And when he had told them about Christ, hundreds of people had said, yes, I want to become a Christian. But then when he told them about baptism, only one person wanted to be baptized. And he said to the person after he'd baptized him, he said, why was there only one of you what, what was the problem with baptism? Why did everybody stop wanting to be Christians? And that man said to the missionary, we understood that we were actually going to be drowned in baptism. And yet this one man was willing to do it. Because we need to say, I am willing to die. Die to my old life, to my reputation, to my goodness, to my ability to, to control and lead my life die to sin and all the things that made me who I was before. And now I'm born again to a brand new life. Jesus said, if I'm going to identify with his resurrection, the first thing is uh, you do not sow a body that shall be, sorry, you cannot be made alive unless it dies. Verse 37, it says, and what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. And then he goes on to explain that a seed is a tiny little husk, a little dry thing. But the plant that it produces is so different from the seed. It doesn't look anything like it. And the new resurrection 
body, the new you, when you've identified with Jesus in his resurrection, the new you is so different from the old you that it's hard for us to conceive. We have to really work hard and understand that my normal understanding of, of what I am and who I am and what I will be like is, is so different. Listen to what he says. All flesh is not the same. There is one kind of flesh of men, another of animals, another of fish, another of birds. Also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. The glory of the celestial is one. The glory of the terrestrial is, is another. There is a glory of the sun, another the glory of the moon. Glory for the stars. One star differs from another star. So also the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. Your physical life up until this point, your physical being has been corrupted. There's been sin and weakness and decay. He says the body is sown in corruption. When I die to my old life, there's, it's a death to corruption. He says it is raised in incorruption. It is perfect. It can't be tainted or, or, or decay. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. There's a lot of shame from my past life. All the things I've done, all the weaknesses I have, um, I'm just so ashamed for how I have lived. But he says, my new body, when I rise and identify with Christ, there is no shame. It's glorious. Uh, it's, it's so difficult for me to comprehend that I can do away with my shame, that I can do away with corruption. But he says, think about it. There are all these different bodies. A seed is a tiny little husk, but it grows into a beautiful flower. You've got uh, animals and humans and, and sun, moon and stars and earthly things. He says, you're going to have to change the way you think because the new you is not just a better version of the old you. It's not just you cleaned up and, and painted over to look different. It's not just turning over a new leaf and hoping with a lot of resolve and New Year's resolutions that I can be better. No, it's a whole brand new thing. The seed is planted, but what comes out is so different. It's sown in corruption, it's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor or shame, it's raised in glory. This is the new you that is going to come up. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. You say, I look back at my life and I've tried so many times to change, to be better, to improve, to do things differently. He says, don't think like that. You're going to have to change the way you think. It's so different. Just like the sun and the stars are so different from earthly things, just like the flower is so different from the seed, your new you is raised in power. It's not weak. Verse 44, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. You see, now we see the difference. Natural is flesh and blood. Spiritual is from God, from heaven. And there's a different power. He says, there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. The spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. He says, start thinking of yourself in different terms. You are going to be different. Now, this is hard for us to understand. Why? Because our whole lives up until this point, we have been used to using our five senses and our logic and our eyes to tell us what is true. And so if I look at myself and I don't look different, I think, well, I haven't changed. But God says, start to change your mindset. 
see things differently. You will be a brand new you when you identify with Jesus' resurrection. He died and he was risen again and you can be brand new. Start to think differently. Start to expand your imagination. If the Bible says it's true, say, I'm going to trust what God says. I'm going to look in the mirror of his word. James 1 says that God's word is a mirror, but it's not a natural mirror. It doesn't tell you what your face looks like. It tells you what your spirit is like. And it says you are glorious. You are without shame. You are full of God's power. You are forgiven. You are God's child. 1 John 4 says, just as Jesus is, so are we in this world. And that's why we don't fear judgment day. You see, if I look at my physical history and my own makeup, I say, I fear judgment day because I'm weak and I have sin. But if I look at my spirit, I don't fear judgment day because as he is, so am I in this world. That is the difference. So the first point is there must be a death. The second point is I must change my paradigm, the way that I look at myself and I must believe God's word. But then the third point is verse 48 in this passage. It says, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. As is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. As was the man of dust. That's talking about Adam and Eve, the first man. So are we. We have our physical fleshly bodies, until we die and we go to heaven, we are still going to be walking around in an earth suit, which is this body. And there are weaknesses and frailties and there is decay and a tendency to sin. And my body has become uh, habituated to thinking and doing the wrong things. As was the man of dust, so are we. But then it says, as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. Friend, you and I are heavenly, not because of anything good we've done. You know, every other religion or way of philosophy or, or thinking of the world says you, it's all about you. Humanism says it's all about you. You, you do you, you be you, you try harder, you, you make the best of it. All the other religions say, if you can just be good enough or do enough of these religious deeds, then you can be good enough. It's all about you. But Christianity is the only one who says that old you has to die and God has to give you a brand new spirit, a new injection of power. You know, that power that came from heaven, that raised Jesus from the dead, that's the power you need. And that's the power that is available to you. In Romans chapter eight, it says the spirit of that raised Christ from the dead is living in you and it will give life to your mortal bodies. Ephesians 1 verse 19 all the way through to chapter 2 verse 6 describes the death and the resurrection of Jesus all the way to him seated in glory in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. And it ends that, that passage saying, you also were dead, but God has raised you and you are now seated in heavenly places. There is a heavenly man inside of you. And the tension is that until the day we die, we are going to have both of these existing together. Now, that doesn't mean I keep falling away from God. It means God sees my spirit and he says, you are my child. You are pure. You are perfect. But he says, now start to master your flesh. Start to change the way you behave, the way your body reacts and, and acts and start to overcome. Isn't that amazing? Let me just read you this passage from Ephesians 
as I close here today. So he starts off in verse 18 by saying, he prays that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would have this new paradigm, um, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, that you could see from God's mirror, not from your own eyes. Then he says, and that you would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. He says that same power that rose Jesus from the dead is available to you, my dear friend. Can you get that paradigm? I've got to die to my life. I've got to think of myself differently. And then I've got to work out how this balance works between my flesh and my spirit. Uh, Verse 21, he says, Jesus was seated far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. He put all things under his feet. He gave him to be head over all things to the church. Jesus is in glory. And he says, you have that same power. And then in chapter two, he says, and you he made alive. You were dead in trespasses and sins. Just as Jesus was dead in the tomb, you were dead. Um, And then in verse four, he says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Friend, will you pray with me today? Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you are not just on the cross, but that you were buried and you rose again and you ascended to heaven. Lord Jesus, I receive your death on the cross as payment for my sins and I thank you for it. But now, Lord, I want to know the power and the fellowship of your resurrection. Lord, I want to die to my old life. I want to get baptized. But Lord, also, I want to see myself in this new light with this new power seated in heavenly places And I pray that you would help me to work out how to live in a fleshly corrupt body, but with the power of God within me and work out how to serve you and honor you and glorify you all the days of my life. In Jesus name. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, please let us know. LeadingLightsNetwork.com. We would love to help you walk through what this amazing step means for your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.